0: Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, August 12th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, so now what? You know, I kind of expected the people over at the Fed to do a victory dance with the CPI cooling a bit, and they didn't. But the Biden administration sure did. Those people were acting like inflation was gone. Biden kept talking about zero percent inflation. Yeah, that's a little disingenuous, but you know it makes for good spin. I've been listening to an episode of the Dangerous History podcast. Highly recommend that one. Um, and it's on World War One propaganda. The episode that I'm listening to, and some of the best propaganda is, you know, kind of true. They just leave out important information. That way, the fact checkers can say, yeah, that's true, but you're still getting a false impression. That's exactly what Biden did. Yes, it's true that month-on-month CPI gain was zero, but the year-on-year CPI was 8.5%. So, you know, it's not like inflation just went away, which is exactly what Uncle Joe wants you to think. Now, to me, the CPI data itself wasn't the real story. I mean, I think we all knew that it was going to come down in July. I mean, just based on my last few trips to the gas station, that was my expectation. The real question is, what's next for the Fed? What are they going to do next? How are Powell and company going to play this? So we'll get to that in a second, but first, let's go ahead and break down the the CPI data for July. As I mentioned, the headline number was 8.5%. Now, that was down pretty significantly from the 9.1% print we got in June, and it also was better than the 8.7% consensus projection. Now, of course, an 8.5% increase in prices over the course of a year is extremely hot, not good for our pocketbooks, right? You know, celebrating this is kind of like if your baseball team lost 10 to nothing the night before, and and then tonight it only loses 5 to nothing. I mean, yeah, that's better, but they still lost, right? Now, the core CPI number is a bit more revealing. If you X out the more volatile food and energy prices, the core number was up 0.3% month on month and the year-on-year read came in at 5.9%, so it was the same as June. So, obviously, inflation isn't gone, but there are certainly signs that it's cooling off. And again, this was totally expected given the sharp drop in energy prices. In fact, that was pretty much the only thing that brought CPI down. Overall, the broad category of energy prices dropped 4.6% 4.6% month on month. So that's huge. Gasoline prices plunged by 7.7% in July. Now, on the flip side, a lot of other prices continued to rise. Food in particular was up 1.1% on the month. Now, energy prices have dropped for a couple of reasons. First, we're in a recession. Yes, we really are, no matter what the spinmeisters in DC tell you. And prices are dropping on the expectations that demand will drop as the economy slows. Typical in the early stages of a recession, you see falling oil and energy prices. Also, everybody has gotten over the big Russia invasion price shock. It hasn't disrupted supplies nearly as much as people thought, so that part of it's come down as well. So, you know, this really doesn't have a lot to do with inflation. Remember, inflation is an increase in the money supply. Rising prices are one symptom of inflationary policy. The only way to tame inflation is to decrease the money supply. Now, of course, a lot of other factors in the economy can lower and raise certain prices, like energy, as we just talked about. But as long as the government and the Fed are creating money, inflation doesn't abate. Oh, I almost forgot my disclaimer. Very important. Price increases are worse than the CPI numbers suggest. The CPI uses the government formula that understates the actual rise in prices and if we actually use the CPI formula they used back in the 1970s, CPI remains in the you know, like 17% range, which is a historically high number. We also got the producer price data this week, and it also cooled more than expected, again, primarily due to falling energy prices. In fact, PPI declined by 0.5% month on month, but core PPI was up So again, you can see the impact of falling energy prices on the producer side as well. In the 12 months through July, core PPI was up 5.8%. So better, but not good, right? So this brings us back to my initial question. Now what? What do you do next, Fed? Now, to be honest, I really thought that the Fed would start signaling a pivot the moment they got some good inflation news. Turned out I was wrong about that. But I still think my reasoning is good, and I still think it's going to play out the way I've been thinking in the long run. Now, you'll recall I said a couple of months ago that my feeling was that CPI was going to cool off, which it did, and I said that would be the excuse the Fed needs to get out of the inflation fight because I'm convinced the Fed people don't want to be in this ring. Remember, this economy was built on easy money and debt, right? The entire post-pandemic recovery, I'm using air quotes around the word recovery, was based on the Fed creating $5 trillion out of thin air and the government handing out a bunch of stimmy checks. Now, it looks like taking away that easy money punch bowl has already popped the bubble, the big bubble. It's popped a lot of little bubbles, and it's also popped the big bubble, Rate hikes have drugged the stock market down, along with the overall economy. It's drugged the bond market down. GDP has contracted for two straight quarters, meaning that outside of the Orwellian spin world created by the White House, the economy is already in a recession. The housing bubble has clearly popped, and the air is coming out faster and faster every day. Real incomes continue to drop. Productivity has tanked. Americans are making ends meet with credit cards. And even the labor market that everybody keeps pointing at to assure us that this isn't a recession it looks pretty shaky when you actually dig into the numbers. Peter Schiff did a great job of breaking down last week's job report for July. I'll link to that in the show notes page. But the bottom line is a lot of people are taking on second jobs to make ends meet. A lot of people have simply left the workforce. They've given up. Meanwhile, real wages are falling through the floor. So no, this is not a strong labor market. Oh, and weekly jobless claims keep creeping up. They were up again this week. The number, I think, was 262,000. That's the biggest jump in weekly jobless claims since last November. I'll put a chart in the show notes page that really shows even more clearly how the labor market is getting pretty shaky. And anybody who's pointing at that, all giddy that the job market means there's no recession, should be a little bit nervous. So, I think by most objective measures, the economy is tanking, and I think honest people understand that. And we haven't even started to feel the effects of last month's 75 basis point rate hikes. That's only going to make the rip in the bubble bigger. It's going to let the air out even faster. I think it's only a matter of time before this entire house of cards economy collapses. Now the Fed playbook in this scenario is rate cuts, right? rising prices back the fed into a corner they've been backed into this corner for a while and they keep you know shoving themselves deeper and deeper into the corner trying to pretend like they're not <laughs> there's no problem here's the here's basically there's two choices the central bank can either keep raising rates and shrinking its balance sheet risking a complete economic crash or It can follow its playbook and go back to a loose monetary policy. It can go back to rate cuts and quantitative easing in order to stimulate the economy out of the recession that it's creating. Now, my guess is that privately, the central bankers at the Fed are looking for any way possible to get out of this corner that they're backed into without losing face. They don't want to keep tightening into a recession. That's why I thought the Fed would start hinting at a pivot the moment the CPI showed the slightest signs of cooling off. And you know, the markets thought that too. If you watch the stock market, as soon as that CPI data came out, stocks rallied on the better than expected CPI report. Gold rallied. And again, gold has been acting the opposite of how it should, right? So you would expect to see a sell-off as inflation cools, uh, but no, you get buying in gold because everybody thinks, oh, the Fed's going to go back to, you know, back to easing and interest rates aren't going to go up as high. So everybody was like, oh, now the Fed will back off. And instead, a couple of Fed members actually doubled down on the tough talk that took the air out of the gold rally. It took the air out of the stock market rally because now everybody's like, whoa, wait a minute. The Fed's really going to keep keep going here. I don't know. We'll see. But here's what the, uh, a couple of Fed members told us. So first, we have Minneapolis Federal Reserve Bank President Neil Kashkari. Uh, he said the Fed remains far, far away from declaring victory on inflation. He went on to say he hasn't seen anything that changes the trajectory of the Fed's inflation fight. Cash Kerry remained adamant that the central bank needs to raise rates to 3.9% by the end of the year and to 4.4% by the end of 2023 and he even insisted that he will not be deterred by a recession then we had Chicago Fed President Charles Evans, who also said the Fed still needs to get rates to 4% by the end of 2023. But Evans has left a little bit more wiggle room than cash carry. Uh, he said, if things get better more quickly, we cannot raise rates quite as much as I've just indicated. I think we're well positioned now for a couple of different turns of the data over the next few months. I think that's key. I think that is telling. Cash carry, He's, you know, he's out there. Tough guy. Uh, Evans is tough guy. But, you know, I'm going to get myself out of this if I need to. So here's the question. Is this tough talk real talk or is it just a bunch of hot air? Because remember these people are worried about their credibility, right They want you to think they're on the job. they're the knights in shining armor slaying the inflation dragon, at least in their own minds now in reality, they're more like Monty python's Black Knight wiggling around on the ground with no arms or legs yelling, "I'll do you for that!" but um yeah they they want to give that image that they're the tough guy, right Here's the reality though. The Fed has been aggressive in rhetoric all along, right? We've had these bouts of tough talk. We've had Powell trot out and say, you know, we're in this inflation fight. Um, even before we got the CPI data, we had uh, Mary Daly over at the San Francisco Fed. Cash Kerry um, was talking, and now we've got Evans and Cash Carry talking again. But the action hasn't matched up with their words, Right. I mean, sure, raising rates 150 basis points in two months seems big, but it's not big when you're facing 9.1% or even 8.5% CPI, which we all know is actually 17 or 18%. So let's step back and look at the big picture. After insisting inflation was transitory for months, the Fed has only raised rates to 2.5%. Powell and Company are still way behind the inflation curve, right? Real rates are deeply negative, which really means we still have loose monetary policy as much as everybody wants to talk about how hawkish and tight this is. So meanwhile, the Fed hasn't even managed to meet its modest balance sheet reduction goals over the first two months of quantitative tightening. They've actually increased the amount of mortgage-backed securities on the balance sheet. I'll link to an article about um, how slow this balance sheet reduction has actually been. So what's this tell you? Well, it tells me that the Fed isn't as serious about fighting inflation as they want you to believe. They want to do open mouth operations. They want to talk. Big, but they don't want to really do big. I mean, think about this if they really believed inflation was a serious problem, you know, uh, public enemy number one, as, as one of them said, they would have been much more aggressive, much faster. So, why was the Fed so slow to respond and why so tepid in its response? Right? It just screams, We don't really want to do this. I mean, am I wrong here? So there's this ugly reality looming ahead and Powell, Kashkari, Evans, the whole lot of them have to know this. They can't keep raising rates without a major economic crash. In fact, if you look at the historical data, they are probably already beyond the point of no return. If you look at a chart of interest rate movements, you go back to like the 80s before the dot-com bubble. You'll see that after every round of easy money since the 80s, the peak interest rate during the recovery or during the tightening cycle has fallen lower and lower. In other words, the tipping point for the economy has come at a lower and lower maximum interest rate. So you have, you know, you have the rate hikes, and then you have uh, the the crash, and then you have. The rate cuts and quantitative easing and the economy recovers and then they go back to tightening. Every time they tighten, they can tighten less before the economy gets shaky again. Now, I feel like I talk about this on almost every podcast, but I feel like I have to because people have such short memories. You know, history goes back like two weeks in most people's minds, it seems like. And this is extremely important because while history doesn't necessarily repeat, it does, as they say, rhyme. So The Fed waited nearly a decade to begin raising rates after the Great Recession, right? They kept it at zero for like nine years. When they finally started tightening in earnest, which was in 2018, they only managed to drive rates to 2.5% before the economy got shaky and the stock market crashed and the Fed quickly ended the tightening cycle. Remember, balance sheet reduction was on autopilot and then like a minute later it was over. As you'll recall, we got to 2019, the Fed started cutting rates. It cut rates three times. They had already gone back to quantitative easing. Of course, they said it wasn't QE, but it was. All of this happened even before the pandemic. And I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. I think the pandemic saved their bacon. You know, they, it gave them the excuse to go big on. QE, go big on money printing, go big on loose monetary policy and and kind of prop the economy back up because it was tanking before the pandemic, right? So given all of that, what makes anybody think the Fed can push rates to three or 3.5% or 4% today with even more debt, more maladjustment, more misallocation in the economy than there was then? It can't. I mean, Unless I've completely missed some dynamic out there that makes 2022 significantly different economically from 2018, there is no way on God's green earth that they are going to get rates to 3 or 4%. Now, they need to. They need them to be higher to slay inflation. They need to be higher than 3 or 4%. And they need to shrink the balance sheet. And I mean really shrink the balance sheet. But the plan as it exists wouldn't even get to pre-pandemic levels for over seven years. So here's the truth. If they did what they actually needed to do to slay the inflation dragon, it would likely precipitate a depression greater than the Great Depression. This notion that it's just going to be a little short downturn is in the same wishful thinking category as transitory inflation. So, stop and ask yourself this question. Will the Fed do it? Will the Fed sit back and keep tightening if the economy goes that far into the gutter? Now, right now, they're saying they're going to do it. Kashkari, um, he's, he's in it. He's in the fight. Doesn't care if there's a recession. Despite all of this tough talk, I think no. Now, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, but if I had to bet my house, you know, somebody put a gun to my head and said, Mike, you got to bet your house. I would bet that we're going to see an end to rate hikes and a pivot back to rate cuts sooner rather than later. But for now, they can still hide behind the good labor data and pretend that everything is fine. Just like they pretended for months That inflation was transitory or just like they pretended in 2006 and 2007 everything was fine as the housing market collapsed and then pretended like oh this isn't gonna create a recession they always seem to be wrong about this right and at some point reality gets too obvious you know the camel can nose its nose in and they can say oh that's not a camel but once the camel's all the way in the tent we know that it's a camel And we also know that the Fed can change lanes in the blink of an eye. You'll recall that a few months ago, a 75 basis point rate hike wasn't on the table. And then like a week later, the Fed delivered a 75 basis point hike. So... It would not be any kind of shock if after all of this, we're in the inflation fight that they actually cut rates in September. Remember, September's a long way away, and the next Fed meeting isn't until the end of September, so we're going to get another round of employment data, we're going to get another round of CPI data, we're going to get a whole bunch more information, there's plenty of time for them to decide, eh, maybe we're done with this rate-hiking business. Here's the problem. I mean, when you boil it all down, there really isn't any good way out. I mean, we're either going to get a deep, deep, long, long recession, or we're going to get rapidly rising prices forever because the Fed's going to go back to money printing. And heck, we may well get both. We may get the dreaded stagflation. I don't see any scenario where inflation goes away and the economy's fine. Again, I could be wrong. Don't have a crystal ball. Just looking at history, looking at macroeconomics. This is how I think things are going to play out. So here's what I'm doing. I'm trying to get my house in order. I want to be ready. Whether the economy collapses or whether the uh, inflation keeps running rampant, I want my house in order. Part for me is having precious metals because I think that's the best security for my wealth obviously I'm not putting all of my money in gold and silver I don't think some people think that because you know we sell gold or we advocate gold and silver that that's like the only thing that we have no that's it's part of an portfolio and and that's I think is important so one way to kind of work through this is talk to a shift gold precious metal specialist because they will look at your portfolio. They will look at your circumstances, your goals, your investment strategies, and they will help you see how precious metals can fit into your broader strategy to protect, protect, preserve, and increase your wealth. So give them a call today, one eight 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 gold 160 or email info at shiftgold.com, or just go to shiftgold.com, go to the Getting Started tab, and you can chat with a precious metals specialist right there online. These guys are fantastic. I've worked with them myself um, and highly recommend it. What can it hurt, right? So do that today. With that, I'm going to call this a gold wrap for the week. You can get more details on all that I've talked about today and a lot more over at shiftgold.com news. There's a lot of stuff I didn't get to uh, this week. We had the Inflation Reduction Act. There's some stuff on that. Uh, there's some good breakdown of the jobs data. Um, a lot of stuff on the uh, on the news page. So check that out when you get a chance. If you haven't done it already, you can just subscribe to this podcast so you don't have to go looking for it. We're on um, Apple Podcast. We're on Stitcher. We're on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You can subscribe to any of those places. You'll find links on the show notes page. Feel free to contact me, M. Meharry, M-M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y at shiftgold.com. Love hearing from you guys and gals. And um, that's it. I hope you have a fantastic weekend, and we'll talk again next week.